The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Well, kia ora, queens, and welcome to <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under the Covers, a special edition of the Real Pod Podcast with me, Eli. Don't laugh yet, Reese, because we haven't introduced you. Ozzy, you Ozzy, don't Ozzy. exist yet. Oi, oi, oi. I love it. Um, um, and here I'm here too. It's me, Chris Parker, but I'm actually in a different city to Eli right now. Chris, this feels like breaking news, but really, we're just recapping a reality TV show. It's wild. Also, everyone has a legit podcast mic. We look like we're, I don't know, watch what happened live, or I don't know, what's a good podcast? Is that a podcast? No. <laughs> no. Oh, my but- God. Something like the daily. Know, it looks like we're doing the daily or something. We're like, just everyone get to a, a podcast booth immediately. Yeah, we, we need, need to, to recap this, this. And we are very uh, impressed with ourselves that we managed to lock in a very good guest. The uh, the one and only judge Graham Norton and Alan Carr combined into one person. <laughs> Reese or Santino. <laughs> or Santino. <laughs> Hi, Reese. How are you? Hello. Hi, boys. What a turnaround. By the way, let me just very quickly say, as we were recording that, every time Rue would say that, it was... I think they cut out a lot of them, but I laugh every time. Every single time. Because it is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. Is RuPaul Charles going, Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. <laughs> she has the most, like, craziest inflections on some, on some sentences. Like, I still, in my brain have when she reviews the movie Rurangi from last week, I still think about it all the time when she goes, it is witty and moving. I love it. <laughs> I yeah. think about it all the Chris time. Chris just sent me that and as I, a voice message out of the blue a couple of days ago. <laughs> and I've got to say, though, it's how she talks. Like, is it, yeah. and, it's like wow. and you kind of get into a rhythm of it. It's like being friends with Liza Minnelli. Like, you're just like, well, this is just the rhythm that you talk in, and I, and I'm, and I really love it. She's actually so good at her job, though. Like everything is so clean, and like just like you just like if I was to host something, I'd be like, well, I just want to, you know, oh well, oh, oh, I don't know, you know, like it'd be little, little bits and bobs where she just delivers these like full power sentences. It's like she knows what she's doing, you know. And when she talks, it feels like it's going to be important. Like when she was like to et cetera, et cetera, in this episode, when she was like, "Piss was just a little bit too far." I was like, "Whoa, it really was." <laughs> <laughs> So we are here to recap the full episode that you've all just watched, and mm-hmm. uh, we're just going to dive into it and give our hot takes because, yes, we all need another opinion on this show. Yes, <laughs> so and I let's... will just be wandering through no man's land of mine uh, <laughs> in a way to keep my 
job. And we're going to trick yeah. you into saying something to get you fired. <laughs> it's going to be amazing because if anything here, we just have a hot take from someone who was in the room while it all happens, you know. And yeah. we get a little yeah, bit behind, yeah. a peep behind the curtain, hopefully, or maybe not. Depends are you how finding tight your, those contracts are. Are you finding are your opinions on what happened in the episodes shifting watching it back? Because you, you don't see the workroom and stuff when you're in there. Yes. Like, because I usually don't watch things with me in I might watch them once and be like well that's enough uh but the <laughs> I am able to kind of watch it because I have no idea what happened in the workroom like we and we almost kind of purposely don't want to know so you can purely watch it on what's happening on the main stage and there's so much that starts to make sense you're like oh yeah that's they seemed furious at each other that day and I have no <laughs> idea why um it's such, a, it's such an interesting thought because it's like you get to know so much of the queen by what you see in the workroom, but you get to see them for like how long on the run? It feels like 10 minutes. Like I'm and it, surprised it you barely know their of, names. It is kind of as it is on the show. Like I, I was expecting the thing I've been saying in interviews is like, and I do believe this though, is when I got the job, I was like, I hope, you know, people that work in fast food tend not to eat fast food because they know how it's been made. And I was worried that like, uh, what if, what if this is McDonald's? And I thought, you know, this is all going to be fake and bullshit. And then I got there and it was like, because as a fan, I mean, as a fan of the show as well, like I've been a fan of the show for like a decade. uh, I just expected there's a certain amount of producing. And I'm not even, I feel like when I say things like this, it sounds like I'm like towing the party line, (laughs) but it truly (laughs) is like, uh, so not as produced as I thought it was. And everything real is real like the amount of i mean look the workroom is probably like every show like every reality show that produces like prod things but like in the room being in the room for a lip sync battle or like for a lip sync for your life or being in the room when you know things kick off it's like it's hard as a fan to not be like god this is good television (laughs) you know like you know like when art went it was they've edited that down when art went she was so emotional on the runway and like the three of us were kind of like, I was tearing up. Like it was quite Mm. brutal to watch. And then, but even afterwards and you go back to your trailer and you're like, this is grim, but this is, I'm going to watch the shit out of this episode. And really, (laughs) really relish it. And, you know, knowing that she was going to come back, I didn't know. So we didn't, I didn't know until I got to work that day that she was coming back that day. And so I got told by producer and I, like he teased me about it for the rest of the filming. I like squealed. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And like just clenched every part of my body. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Um, It's good to have her back as well, because I mean, there was a lot of hot takes on, on her arrival back, but I mean, we're do- we're back into a reading challenge this, oh, and this episode. It. And you're just like, you're so grateful to have queens who can read when there's a reading mm. challenge happening. Because oh, you want the, the good et cetera, reads. et cetera, read. Oh, oh my so God. Funny. Like perfect. Perfect. Because it's like, as soon as you hear a queen or just anyone start a joke about pronouns, you're like, oh. Oh no! I know. We haven't always yeah. been the uh, most inclusive community about uh, just pronouns generally, <laughs> yeah. and uh, oh no, oh no, oh no! And then perfect joke, perfect joke, perfect joke. Perfect but joke. that's the thing, right? Where people argue that, like, you're like, oh, you can't joke about anything in these days. It's like you can if you're smart enough. If you like, yeah, I felt like that joke. was. 
You can do it. And you good can if you're pronouns. gay, all right? Because if you're gay, we can say whatever we, we want. Three gays can say whatever we want. I thought yeah, the read on yeah. Electra about her taste was. Mm, yeah. So yeah. good. Because I think we don't, we don't really. I mean, we're like a catty. Look, even at the start of the series, there was a lot of the chatter was about how bitchy everyone was. But I think that's just what we're like. But we're not necessarily like reading is fundamental, but it's not. It's not as much. You know, it's that kind of Paris is burning style of drag. Like, I don't think it is as deeply Australian. So I think they really, like, kicked that in the dick, really, I think. Yeah, we don't... Yeah, it's like we don't really have, like, a reading culture so we are just kind of, like, mean to each other. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. Of, but, and, and we've got that dry humour that... And, and also, which I think is an interesting thing I've been sort of watching develop on the show, is, like, the Americans beginning to understand, like, self-deprecating humour, which they don't have a concept of but like Electra being like I have terrible taste and kind of admitting that and you can say them being like why would you show your weakness so openly like that but yeah. it's like they don't understand that in New Zealand if you can kind of admit that you're like a bit rubbish or something or I don't know it's like that tall poppy syndrome thing we just like to keep ourselves humble so that we seem more relatable or something which is why I think the queens that have done really well over here from the American people like um, Trixie and Katia and um, I don't know just the ones that kind of are really self-deprecating like Jinx is kind of similar to that like the Mm. and I think we've all probably had situations where yeah, I feel like this is a broad generalisation, but like American comedy, everyone wins in their jokes. And in Australian and New Zealand comedy, we all lose we in our jokes. Lose. Like the joke we is always lose. like, well, I wish I had have said that, but I didn't. And American jokes always yeah. end with like, and I said this, and the audience all claps. Yes. Okay, so um, who are our favourites of the reading challenge? Because I would, my, I mean, I, I really enjoyed, I don't necessarily... Like, I don't care if the whole run of their reads are amazing. As long as I hear a joke that, like, surprises me and delights me and doesn't sort of yeah. sound like reads from previous challenges. But that's just coming purely from someone who's watched too much reality TV now. And, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. sort of like, I'm like, you need, to, you need to shock me for me to laugh. But I mm-hmm. really enjoyed Keita's um, reads in the challenge. I thought there was, some, there was some fun play around what she was doing that was sort of surprising. And I also loved art as well. I thought she just did a great job. I thought both of those reads Eli felt Hot really tanks. specific to who they were talking about as well. Because I think probably the thing that queens do before they go is write a bunch of generic reads for a skinny queen or a bigger queen or this is for this person, this is for this person. But, but all of the, all those four from Keita and art felt like super specific to who they were talking to and that was it and i feel like i'm also like a sucker for as a fan of the show watching it like if a queen doesn't do that well but you also are like oh like you you know you kind of you aren't a bitchy queen but you're really trying like what i don't like is when queens are like well i'm gonna be a cunt, like, do you know, what I mean? like, yeah. and just yeah. really burn someone down. And you're like, Jesus Christ. Whereas, like, I don't know, someone like Maxi, who's just this ball of sweetness, and you know, she didn't absolutely slam it to death. But you're just like, I love you so much, and oh, you know what? She... This was close. It was close. <laughs> yeah, it was almost there. Yeah. It... How do they prep for a reading challenge? I've never really thought about it because you'd need to know. Who the, you just sort of have to start building up your jokes as you went along in the competition. Like I need yeah. to know how they prep those because they they need to be so specific and they are just like actually crafted jokes. Like that's that's basically what a read yeah. is. It's like it's it's, it's, it's a roast. It's a like doing line. a roast. Yeah, it's yeah. it's quite it's, just, it's quite a big ask. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, I think, similar to... Um, I don't know, similar to the, the main stage challenge, it's not always something I've noticed with, it happens with open mic comedians as well, but like um, it's a tone shift. Like what happens at two o'clock in the morning at a gay bar when everyone's yes. coming down off their K uh, yes. and you're like screaming at people doesn't necessarily work in a cold studio in front of five Full people lights. in RuPaul. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it always seems to happen in the comedy challenges as well. They come out really hot and you're just like, oh, no, no, it's four o'clock in the afternoon and this is a theatre audience. And I think that happens in the reading challenges sometimes. You're like, you're so fat and you should burn in hell. You're like, oh, okay. No, um, the Utica vibe. That was sort of... That was sort of the tone of this whole episode in a way, because then we dive into like an acting challenge, like kind of the first acting challenge of the season. And it's a mm. actually a great challenge for drag queens because I always feel like the acting challenges should somewhat reflect a job that they might do in the, like, in the yes. real world. And sometimes you're like, well, they're never going to be in this like dream girls musical or whatever, you know, like, but yeah. I like it in, in, in a commercial. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although the there is... There is a drag queen show on at the West End at the moment. What's it called? Right. The, there's, you know, it's happening. There's a. It does happen. Oh, what's? Yeah. Anyways, doesn't matter. Bianca, someone like someone's in on the West End at the moment. There's like Latrice and a like, Willem. A I think oh, on the West End, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they just open last year, like just before COVID, and then they got like three shows, and then they close it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but it was a different lineup, <laughs> and so then they just <laughs> like shipped in, just shipped in some new ones. <laughs> So who's been vaxxed? Um, so the, it's a it's an infomercial challenge, which I enjoy because you know I'm like oh it's such a I feel like it's a great challenge for drag queens. They've got to, they've got to make their own products as well. They've got to sell them. You get to see a bit of their writing. You get to see some of their acting. But the the true delight for me of this whole challenge, honestly, is Suzanne, Suzanne Paul. Paul. <laughs> she Outrageous. had me in stitches. She's like she so was good. It was just so funny watching someone who, honestly, I don't think has watched an episode of Drag Race, nope. and has, <laughs> and honestly, has not. I don't think we've seen many drag queens like she was just keep gasping out of shock as to what they were saying, and it just was like. But there's something so inherently camp about Suzanne Paul as well that I was like, you could try. Like it, it almost made the queen seem like drier because there was just this like beacon of campness in that studio and you've got kind of Suzanne Paul with all her eyeshadow on and then suddenly these queens were sort of like I don't know trying to do their campery but it just it sort of paled in comparison to Suzanne Paul just kind of sitting there and gasping at the horrible things that they were saying I've always just thought there's something inherently camp about just trying to sell something like I've never watched an infomercial (laughs) and felt straight no one's actually a person on an infomercial a straight man has never bought an infomercial product. It's always it's, no. a, it's a woman or a gay man. Reese like no one. I have a question. Karen seemed very excited mm-hmm. to meet Suzanne Paul, but to me, is she on Australian TV or? I I have a feeling, like I was aware. I didn't know. I'll be honest. Like absolute no. honesty, I did not know the name. But I when I saw her, I was like, yeah, like she must be like the. And look, we're all performers, we're all unemployed, we've all spent a lot of time watching daytime television. I'm sure we've seen it. She has, what is it with um, infomercial people and being English? There's like very few famous non-English ones. It was definitely interesting seeing the Australian queens have absolutely no idea who who she is. But she's, you know, it's like, she's just... 
she's like such a hallmark of New Zealand like culture, mm. I guess. Which and Eli was saying it was surprising that no one kind of did her for for Snatch Game. Snatch Game, <laughs> such a big. But then again, you like though. you had her in real life in the studio, and still like Michelle was like, "Who's this woman?" <laughs> I mean, you know, Snatch Game was you know had gone so well with such very famous people. So I wonder how it would have gone. <laughs> not as famous. Maybe. Amazing to um, see Scarlett do Jennifer Coolidge again in the ad. She oh sort God. of brought back and, a terrible Jennifer Coolidge impression. <laughs> and I'll be honest, again. I had I, I said something about that and, I, and they didn't put it in. This is the interesting thing for me as well, of like seeing the edit of what we say as well. And this isn't giving anything away. But like, I think I even said in the, once the Queens were gone, because as, as the show was going on, I was learning not how to be a judge, but like how to, okay, you say one thing when they're there, then you'd be a little bit harsher when they're gone. Like you learn the rhythm of like, and just was kind of like, yeah, like it wasn't great the first time. So why are we doing it this time? Bring it back for another spin. Like, do you, did you buy this impression and you're like trying to get the money's worth out of it? Is this an NFT? What does it mean? I don't know what an NFT is. It seemed like Michelle was honestly hating her day <laughs> in the recording studio while they were filming she's like every person came in she was like no like she just looked so unenthused so over it it's like give the give the woman an LMP. like she needs like she's clearly she loves LMP so much so i good. do feel like michelle yeah. and suzanne were getting along like a house on fire though as much as they weren't enjoying she was, so much of the queen stuff she was obsessed with her. Yeah. She was like, cause I'd kind of, sometimes Michelle would be on on days that I wasn't in. So to do that kind of stuff. And I'd come in, like poke my head into a dressing room and be like, how was that? And she, and she was like, she had, she was like obsessed with, because I, I think this is the thing. And I'm not just saying this to like suck Michelle's dick, but um, the, she is one of those like similar kind of vibes. I think of like, just a very professional takes her job very seriously. Oh yeah. Is not, like for someone who called like has a book called Diva Rules, is kind of not, and I yeah. think like there's something like when you meet two very good TV professionals that aren't necessarily like they don't work in live necessarily they don't but like there's a like I don't know how Sue Ann Paul does that like you know what I mean like it, that would drive me insane what her job is but mm. it's she's ve- do you know what I mean like oh yeah. Did you she, know, Reese? she entered the Royal Comedy Quest maybe four or five years ago? Made it to the oh final. Oh, my God. Was on the news. Just a little tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the news? It was on the news, yeah. Wow. She's just, she's just always around. Busy news like, day in New Zealand. I wasn't <laughs> surprised is. to see her in Drag Race. I was like, of course she's here. Like, she's just always there, ready when you need her. Like, I think she's done, like, Dancing with the Stars. She's done Treasure yeah. Island. She's done RuPaul's Drag. Like, she is, she's an icon. Um, okay, so then the the runway challenge was mm. I, I've like absolutely forgotten what was it? Oh, Sheila oh. in the bush. Sheila is in that the, Sheila in the bush? Let's take a quick little break and hear from some ads from people who'd love you to buy their products. <laughs> oh, is it Sue Ann Paul? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kia ora, Justin Giovanetti here, and I'm the political editor at the Spinoff. This podcast, like so much of the work we do at the Spinoff is made possible by the support of our members. To find out more about the spinoff members and how you can help us keep producing quality, independent journalism, visit members.thespinoff.co.nz and do it today. Kia ora, I'm Sophie. And I'm Simon. And I'm Alice. And together we host the spinoff's food podcast, Dietary Requirements. Join us each month as we explore a vast culinary landscape 
from the gourmet Ooh la la. to your more hearty tucker. Kiwi onion dip, anyone? Everything's on the table in dietary requirements. Subscribe wherever you listen to all your other favourite podcasts. Um, so, here we are on the main stage right now of RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. I mean, not us literally, but um, close your eyes, imagine if you want to. One of us was there. Uh, Reese, I mean, mm-hmm. Reese was there. I was tell me like, Tell me like two or three things about the vibe in that room. Like, I want to know the temperature. I want to know the volume of the music. Oh my what God. I want to know how big it is. It's so cold. Like, like there was a, um, this is the most boring behind the scenes tea no, in the world, but there it. was a man whose job it was. They brought in an, an air, con- a, a, a powerful enough air conditioner to get it to be cold enough in there. Like Rue has this whole thing about, and there's a, and there's a, Thermometer to make sure it's. I forget what the temperature is, but it is freezing in there. And part of it is because we're they're standing. The girls are standing there for hours at a time, like you know, within the studio. You, it's like, you know, I've always thought like on shows like MasterChef, the food by the time they're eating it must be cold and shit. And because by the hours, like it's kind of, you know, once you put on drag, it's you've got to stay fresh and it is the most i i quite enjoyed it because like i'm usually in suits and an inch of makeup and stuff and rue like it just freezes you and you don't melt uh so that's that's boring um no uh, i what? absolutely love the idea that it's cold and yeah, i'm just like shivering anything that lets me know what it's like in that room and it's quite a small studio right because i mean here's yeah. the thing i feel like there's been a lot of critique on the production of this show in terms of like just the twitter audience who you know mm. they hate everything and nothing's good enough for them and yeah. imagine like, still being they, on twitter <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like they created this in a pandemic like mm-hmm. what more do you want mm. like you still got your drag yeah. race in the midst of a full pandemic and there's like it's still not they're like oh it looks a bit the studio looks a bit small and you're like yeah because we're in a pandemic (laughs) (laughs) and it's like yeah it was um it was made quite quickly and the fact of how quickly it was made i think because i'm like i'm staying out of that like i'm not replying to people in fact on the last day of filming the last thing rue said to the top queens and i think partly to me was um, you're going to change lives, blah, 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 um, and stay out of the fucking comments. Just don't reply to anyone because everyone thinks they're an expert. And then she got up and she walked out. Um, wow. And uh, got onto a chariot and she flew up into the sky like the end of Greece. <laughs> um, Made four more seasons true, of it though. <laughs> it is all of that. Like, it is like, the, and it's just, I just love that it's that kind of interesting kind of fandom that, look, to be honest, I've probably been a part of it at some point in the last decade. Like, I've definitely bitched about things about the show that now we're making it. I'm like, oh, that, like, it is really hard. Like, the, and things happen in the room that might seem different on camera, but things made sense in the room. Nothing happens in the room that doesn't make sense. There's nothing overly produced. Do you know what I mean? You would never critique say, like, Real Housewives to this level, you know? Like, you would never critique, like, I mean, I guess, or Project Runway. It's like, but because I guess we know how much it can impact the drag queens' careers. Absolutely. it, It turns them from, like, being, you know, these hardworking performers at like bars and nightclubs and doing like drag brunch to like being able to tour the world and release singles and be on TV and stuff. Like it, it has a major impact on them. It is. That- the, and it's the only mechanism to do that. Like is in, it, that exists in the world at the moment. It's the only thing that you can be a working 
drag queen mm. and then suddenly be a TV presenter five months later. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, it's like it's exactly right. That is like we, as an audience, I guess they understand the importance and value of it. So that when we see things go wrong, we're like, oh, how dare they? But then I feel like that has just slipped out of it. It's gone beyond that now to now just having just that reaction about anything on the show and not understanding kind of what, what that's connected to. Like we just freak out if someone's like, I don't know, wore the same wig twice. And we just like, we just yeah. have had enough. You know, they're like, how dare they be on this show? And it's like, well, it's just it's just reality TV and they're, they're just doing drag, also you know? The, but And it's... The expectation on the and queen they make has it, changed so much as well. They used to be able to be just good at their one thing. Like Bianca, Bianca Del Rio won wearing the same dress every week for 12 weeks. And now yes. it's like, yeah. you need to be as funny as her, but also be wearing Alexander McQueen every week, basically. Yeah. And I would argue as well that it's not necessarily, you know, there's the whole thing of how expensive drag is. Like, I I don't know if that's necessarily the show perpetuating that. I don't think. Like, after being in there, I think the show demands an elevation. That's the Mm. word we always used to use. The word elevation comes up a lot. But I think it is the fan base that has created this, like... Mm. this needs to look like this and this needs to look like this and this needs to look like this because it is this kind of, I don't know, it, it sometimes feels like when you read things, it feels as if we've made the show in spite of them as opposed to for them. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like we're not making the show totally. as a protest. We worked really hard on this. And I think A actually. bunch of people are being given a, a shot to be stars. <laughs> And your only job appears to be to tell them they're not stars before they become stars. <laughs> it's interesting because I feel like of all, and it's kind of amazing that she's on the show and I kind of think about it a lot, but Electra kind of embodies like for me, like early seasons of Drag Race in a way. Yes. Like, and that girl won this week's episode off like some sheets and a painted head. And I was like, yeah. yes. <laughs> I love Yes, that. go off. Like, you deserved it. You walked down the runway. I was like, amazing. Her acting challenge it was just, like, clean, beautiful. Like, just a great product. It wasn't crass. Like, yeah. it was still, like, draggy. Like, she's still kind of sucking someone off and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. it was it was just, like, really well. I just, like, man, that's well-crafted. And, and it was, like, I was just, like, this is, like, quintessential drag race to me. And I just loved seeing yeah. her win and take it out. And I was like, oh, this is so good. I was impressed with the lecture because she did, like, there were some crass jokes, but they were about being a gay man, really, whereas so many of the other crass jokes were, like, about vaginas. And it's like, no, no, yes. that's not really your, um, your uh, lame way to talk about, Scarlett. And I think that's what we, that's what a lot of the critiques were about. Like, when we talk about how crass it was, because it was, there were times, and I am, we, the three of us all know each other pretty well. <laughs> I am, I I am filth. Like I love, I love the most dirty, dirty, dirty thing, but it can't be like what I said earlier about the, like it, it, if it's easy, it's not funny. Like Mm. it needs to be kind of like, you need to be able to have to do some maths to get to the thing. And I think that's what was great about Electra's infomercial. Like it was, it was like almost stand y kind of funny. Like they were were set up and punchline, set up and punchline. It wasn't like, whereas some say someone like Maxi or arts were like, you almost had to do too much maths by that point. You're like, are you going, you're more going for a vibe here as opposed to set up punchline. <laughs> and I feel like with Electra, we're really getting to see her as a, as a drag artist. Like where you get to see, like yeah. you really feel like around. she's put her looks together, you know, whereas 
It's mm-hmm. that thing of just being like, and I remember talking to other drag queens about it, being like, you're kind of watching a drag queen walk down the look that they have come up with, but haven't necessarily yeah. constructed. And not that every queen should have to do that, but it's like, I, you just, that's why I love those construction challenges on the show, because you really get to see like how they put their drag together, which is so much of the art form. And so I just like, oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm so happy for Electra, and I just thought it was such a good episode for her. I felt a little but bit. Then, I think you're so. so uh, oh, so I was just. Gonna, I was, all I was going to say, I think you're so astute about. Like, it did feel like kind of even, and I know we'll get to it, but even the lip sync felt like a kind of early seasons of drag kind of lip sync. Like, do you know what yes. I mean? Like, there there is kind of like an old school, new school mm. kind of battle, and I think that's what those lip syncs are about. Like this kind of, here's two, like my favourite type of lip sync is when it's two very different queens battling it out. It's like, and that, you know, it's tougher and anyways, I'm just rambling. So let's I just, just want to show. Let's just go to two points eh, before we kind of wrap wrap up because we're going to talk to the Eliminated Queen as well. Oh. Um, Elena, yeah, I know, get all the goss. So I think that we have to address the kind of elephant in the room there, which is um, Scarlett Adams being called out in the episode one, in the workroom, it sort of comes up in conversation, and then two, it kind of happens with Rue uh, on the main stage. And it's kind of, for me, the first time I've seen something like, something happen in the outside world be addressed inside the yes. vacuum that is drag race. But obviously, you know, to appropriate someone's culture or to be like or racistly kind of like embody other and mock other people's cultures like that it just has to be addressed at that level absolutely um and it's a it's an interesting moment of just like watching how rue wants to, to to deal with that i mean obviously we we can't really weigh in on whether or not like <laughs> no i think we're exactly the group that should do it <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just kind of watching as in terms of just someone who's kind of watching it play out on on TV. You know, it's like um, you can see that Rue sort of uses this as an opportunity to sort of educate or speak to something bigger to her audience, which is about like yeah. the idea of call out versus call in, I guess. And it's a it's a moment that she doesn't just sort of put Scarlett's head on the chopping block, but she decides to kind of use this as an opportunity for Scarlett to sort of grow through. Um, I think. There's, there's definitely been like harsher critiques or firmer, firmer is probably the word, firmer criti- critiques online about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it gets us that thing of, well, of like looking back on, in a moment and g- going how you would do it differently versus being in that moment, but also however Rue wants to deal with it. Like, <laughs> who am I to say anything? Exactly. You know? so, <laughs> this is my point of view. Like I've been getting a little bit of, and I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not going to talk too much about it because it's like, again, mm. like what you just said, like, it, but um, it is Rue's decision. Everything on that show is Rue's decision. Like, as mm. in, you know, it's not like... And and I think she is the one to be making that decision on that panel as well, and she's the only one that should be. And there's an interesting thing that happens sometimes, I think, that, you know, Rue is obviously a person of colour and a kind of queer icon, and I think two flat-out cancel Scarlett, like what's the more useful thing is to completely cancel someone and remove them in this situation from show business and the world or to force someone to reckon with it and you know what I mean? Like there's there's like a oh. and then kind of hopefully move forward through it and there's like a, a 
a making themselves better type of story as opposed to, well, goodbye and we'll never hear from you again. But also I'm sure Rue understands, like it's, Rue's done an, like what is a kind of, you know, like it's, I've never seen something like this happen on Drag Race before. And it's like, she's addressed it in the show. So this other stuff used to be like, you know, I mean, it was it was truth, but it was like hearsay. It was like gossip online mm. versus like, oh no, this has happened now. Like, and so in yeah. a way, like, she's gonna have to, like, Scarlett will always be associated to, and so she should be, like, what has happened, and yes. she will be always be linked to that as she should be that because you know it got brought up in the show. So in a way, like, it's like she's never gonna be able to uh, escape from it, and she's gonna have to constantly. Work it's a, it's it, a reckoning. Is, she has to reckon with it for the rest yeah. of her life. But it, it it's a shock. I mean, it's a shockingly a, like large amount of like appropriation and like r- sort of racist bullying. So I feel like the amount of kind of critique that's coming her way, like it is, it valid. is fear, and so it's all valid. So I, hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's, it's unc- I'm, I'm still just like I was kind of watching it, being like, this is yeah, you're right. Like this is like a a black icon, queer icon, who also having to have this conversation. Like, and you, there's a part of me that's like, I wonder if there is a part of Rue that, like, you know, she, cause she just seems so impenetrable, like as this force of strength. But I was like, she still has to kind of have this conversation, which is just like so unfortunate and, and definitely painful to be like, one, much older than someone and already know so much better <laughs> in terms of behavior absolutely and they'd be like and you can't do that people talk about to Rue, be like, someone just showing up and doing her job and not really being involved in the show but it's like she was involved in the show that moment really yeah. showed how oh. connected she is to these queens yeah i think there's like there's, there is that kind of interesting storyline of that she's this ethereal thing that kind of floats into the into the room and then floats out it's like no she's there for hours, like my call time, this is just boring admin thing, but my call time was like usually about 10 a.m. Her call time mm. was six. And that's how long she would take to get together. She's like producing the show. She's like deciding things. As we're going, she's like, this was yeah. the most bizarre thing for me. Is She directs it, essentially. Oh. Like, kind of sitting in the room. Like, obviously, there is also a director, and I don't want to take that away from the director. But <laughs> No, they did nothing. She's in the room kind of going... Okay, girls, you stand over there. Let's get the camera there. Like, as in just... Wow. She is the vision of the show, if that makes sense. Um, And so I think it's... When things like this come up in... Whether it be this franchise or any of the franchises, I feel like it is her prerogative. Like, is it... And, you know, moving away slightly from that is, like, any of the... Like what I was saying about it being... in spite of people, there's an interesting thing I think that's happened to Rue because he's so famous and so kind of iconic. You kind of have stopped thinking about him as a queer person of color. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, as in, yeah, he, he's as still like- existing in the world as a queer person of color. So there is a point of view that he has that I don't have, that a lot of us don't have. And yeah. I don't know. So then we end up with, no, no, I think it's it's valid. Like, I think, you know, you, you, it's so easy to detach the, 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 the past experiences or the feelings from these like mega stars and the fact that they have to kind of navigate those moments as well. So moving forward now, we are watching Maxi and oh. et cetera, et cetera. Oh no, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. 
uh, lip sync for their lives. Oh um, I, I, I was, a, I guess, I was a little. I mean, I think it could have been anyone lip, lip syncing. Yeah, I think Karen or kind of or Scarlett could have been in the bottom as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is we sort of had that a few weeks ago as well. So I'm a bit like, I guess, shocked to see Sarah be lip syncing, but also like. Not surprised as well. Like, it could have been any of them. They were all as crass as each other. I think maybe Scarlett was a little bit more crass and maybe deserved to be in the in the bottom even more. And I feel like maybe that was just some choices that Rue wanted to make in terms of what she had to address earlier or something. Well, the Priscilla like, look maybe lifted her out as well. The Priscilla look kind of lifted it up. And it was mm. cool to see that on the... On the and that, that kind of silver, like, honestly flew, like, perfectly. It felt like it was on wires. Um, and... They, Maxie. Oh, I can't get mm, over it. I just, I can't get over it. Yeah, it was like when I just saw her begin to. I was like, "This is what I love a qu- watching a queen who was a drag queen before Drag Race yeah. on yes. the show because she's she literally knows double how Xavier's to age. Wow, right? <laughs> yeah, and she just. And it's like she's embodying the song. Like it's like she's singing it, and it means, yeah. and it's like the most emotional performance of her life. It's just you, and it's just a delight. Like my heart was just like pounding out of my chest watching it perform. It felt like the first. It time occurred I've seen to me watching queen. it. Like it felt like the first time I seen a drag queen again. You know, it was like instantly back. There. Yeah. It occurred to me while we were watching it in the room. I suddenly went because I know, like I lived in Sydney for a long time, and she's like, she's one of the queens of Sydney. She's like. Mm. Very, the kind of fame that you are when you're a famous drag queen in a city that is this quite odd fame where you're very famous to a very specific group of people. And it's not just gays, (laughs) it's gays that go out. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you have this kind of following where people, you have these, maybe in your life, like if you work a few clubs, you have like four places where you are worshipped. And then you take off your wig and out in the world, (laughs) you're like a regular person. And then you become, like it's, it's that... Always fascinated me that kind of armor of drag thing, but and it occurred to me when we were watching it, she she probably performed this like when it came out, like this when she probably would have been a baby drag when because it's this song's maybe like twenty years old and she would have started drag when she's about twenty. So this is it's just interesting to me that you could be, and then when it came she's on, like, she I know it. Like, she's like, well, I've I got fucking it. got this. I know. She's like, I've got it. I've done this one for years, and then Did- and an absolute power move. Has a yeah. microphone. The microphone coming out of sleeve. sleeve. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's so good. I can't believe someone's done it in like fifty million years of Drag Race. No one's done it. It's so good. Yeah, and it's almost like this statement of like, "This is how I perform." Like she's like, "This is how we do it." Like, and I was like, "Yes, go off, I love it." It felt to me like the Latrice and um oh, is it? It's Kenya it? Michaels. Kenya, Davin- <laughs> Kenya Michaels. Kenya Michaels. I was about to say around Different her. family. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it is like a similar vibe of like here is here is old school of like I'm gonna hit every syllable of the lip sync because this is a lip sync for your life. It's not a dance for your life. It's not a yeah. splits for your life. And in a club, yes, sometimes like I don't know. Have you ever been at a at a drag show before? And you've yeah, you've just what someone just slam their puss into the ground, which is something I will never feel comfortable saying. Um, and then someone will come out and do a ballad and watching a bunch of high as fuck twinks yeah. start just getting watery eyed from like usually a bigger queen belting yeah. out a, um, 
I don't know. What's like an example? Um, this is me from the greatest show. And I'm and I'm telling. <laughs> And I'm telling you, and I'm telling you is the big one, I feel like. Just what, like, watching, and that's what it felt like in the room. Of, like, I love, etc. I think she is such a, for a 22-year-old, it is frightening how together, like, you know, I'm only 31. I'm 31 and I felt, like, out of date. Like, the way... That was the biggest shock of the episode for me, was finding out that they're 22. I felt... Disgusting. Yeah, it was so a talented jolt. to be twenty-two. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> I feel and dead. she's so laser-sighted. <laughs> yeah, and like she's already so clear on who she is and what she wants to do, and knowing that that's also going to keep developing is like really, like when uh, I was twenty-two, I was a nightmare. I was like a mess. I was Burma. I, I, I was... didn't care about anyone. <laughs> I had just come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't think speaking, you can... <laughs> yeah. Speaking of etc., we're going to now chat with them on this very podcast. So, um, Reese, because we don't want to overload our internet, we're going to mm-hmm. thank mm-hmm. you very thank much you for so coming much. and uh, joining you. us digitally online. Please, all our listeners, follow right Reese, but don't give him any feedback Please. on the show. Yeah, no, yeah, just compliments. Please don't. Please don't that's cancel a rule me, for, guys. <laughs> that's a rule for everyone. Strictly just compliments. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, boys. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Oh, thanks, Grace. Thanks thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Great. Hello, hello. How are you? We are um, all in different cities right now. What city are you in, et cetera? I'm in Sydney. I'm in Sydney, Australia right now, and I'm putting on an eyebrow. That's my my, um, mission while we do this podcast. I've got – I'm sure you're you're aware of what all the other girls have done before this, but um, when Susan sent me the press schedule for today, um, I was very, very grateful that the first – first five (laughs) interviews are audio only, so I didn't have to wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah, Um, that's good. We've seen yeah. the full gamut of uh, of makeup levels of queens. Like JoJo yeah. was pretty early. Art Simone was like complete. Oh yeah, I'm well she's like... a Virgo. She's like <laughs> yeah. she would rather she'd get into drag at midnight and go th- and just go through the rest of her life like that. She doesn't care. She'll stay in drag for years. <laughs> What's your star sign? I'm a Pisces. So oh, our producer also Pisces, and she's absolutely raving. I just raving. like to think about getting in drag. I like to think about the the thought of getting into drag until it's until it's just just almost too late to start, and then I begin. <laughs> <laughs> Etc. We were just talking before we brought you on that we cannot get over that you're 22 years old. Like, it's truly mad. That was the shock of the episode for me was finding out your age and that you're 22. How long have you been doing drag for? I've been doing drag for oh God. It would be it would be four four five years now since I oh. first put on makeup. You know, um, so seventeen. Seventeen. <laughs> 17 yeah, I moved oh. to Sydney when I was seventeen, and I started doing drag because I had no friends up here, and I'd moved from Canberra, and I was doing uni, and had no one really up here that I connected to, and I was like, well, I should go out to clubs and meet people, and I thought, well, if I start doing drag, I can get in without you know having an ID, and I can. You know, just meet people because other people will be in drag. And that's how it kind of started, you know. Wow. Wow. I love that. That's so... So so you just entered it from such a young age. And do you look back on that, like, early drag that you were doing and you were, like, embarrassed or you're kind of proud of it? Because I feel like any kind of drag that you do when you're, like, 
essentially a child. You know, you're just like, I'm just always like in awe of like the kind of courage and bravery and sort of artistic sort of enlightenment that that, that, that individual has. Well, it was interesting because when I started drag, um, it definitely wasn't something that I was like, oh, I'm going to do this for a career, you know. I was, I, was actually, I was actually like, oh, this is just a bit of fun. Like it honestly was just for my own self-fulfillment and my own like queer little awakening. And then as people started offering to pay me money for it, I was like, oh. Like, Whoops, I'm too good at this. To pay my rent. <laughs> um, but I mean, a big part of it, like I never put on makeup until I moved to Sydney. I never touched makeup. I never put on a pair of heels. It was like I moved to Sydney and I went to my first Mardi Gras when I was 17 up here and I saw, saw like drag queens in real life and it was almost like, it was like an electrified flick switch moment and, and it all kind of happened from there. It really was like I had an epiphany. I was Archimedes in the bathtub and I was like, I have to cross-dress now. Because that seems like, because from, I mean, I always sort of take into consideration the drag artists' like looks when they're not in drag, like just their confessional looks and their workroom looks because I feel like it gives you an insight as to who that person is as an individual and Absolutely, like one of my, you have the greatest so style of, of everyone the in the room. Every Always put together. And I feel like you would have the kind of wardrobe where it blurs from like stuff that you want to wear versus stuff you want to wear in drag, and you'd po- probably borrow from either side of the wardrobe. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. And sometimes my <laughs> out of drag wardrobe is more extravagant than my in drag wardrobe <laughs> on some days. But it's always a different energy. I feel like when I'm out of drag, I'm channeling something that's a bit more, um, I, I like to describe it as italic font and bold font. When I'm out of Ooh. drag, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm an italic version of myself. And when I'm in drag, I'm bold. And then when I'm at rest and I'm kind of not presenting at all, I'm kind of like just in the middle. I'm a normal font, sans serif, if you will. But, um, <laughs> Calibri. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, think, I think it's really interesting when, like, obviously I'm non-binary and um, when you're in that kind of trans space playing with gender, um you kind of you kind of like well how how am I going to present if I'm in drag all the time and people see me out of drag and then they're like are you still in drag are you not in drag so I try to switch it up I try to play with people's expectations of what they should see me in, and I enjoy doing that I enjoy people um being like are you in drag right now and I'm like people what do you think are <laughs> obs- people are obsessed with having just like a clear line aren't they and it's like what they just need to it's, I, I like I, I like yeah, the idea I, that to, you... be, to be honest I'm obsessed with a clear line as well but it depends what the line is so <laughs> <laughs> how was your experience um on the show because I, I felt like watching you leave like I've, I mean I felt like I could have watched you do the, the the entire show you just had what it takes to go all the way um, and I felt like, but when you're watching you leave, it, it felt like you were pretty positive on, on your way out. You know, as a, let's say on a scale of uh, Simone to, <laughs> <laughs> to you, like, you know, you're, you, was, you seemed like a sort of ray of light heading out of the, the workroom. Can you tell me about your experience on the show? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, when they rang me, I thought it was a prank call. I was like, there's no way that anyone's going to want me on Drag Race. Number wow. one, because I, well, number one, because I'm too young. No, I was like, I was like, I'm so young. I've been doing it for four years. You know, uh, this industry is full of titans and and legends who have been doing, you know, for 20 years slogging away. And it's like, they're the people I expected would get the opportunity first if Drag Race ever came. Right. You know how the first seasons of the American one, they had people like Detox and Alyssa and all of these like 
legends of the American drag scene. And I was like, oh, obviously, obviously the Australian drag race will pick off those people first, you know? Right. Pick off the, the Vanities and the Mini Coopers and the Dallas Della Forces and all of these people that have built drag in this country over the past few decades. Um, so when they approached me, I was like, wow, this is really special. Um, obviously they're out of their minds, but sure, I'll go along with it. And then, <laughs> and then when they cast me and I, and I got to go along, I think it was so much of a fever dream that I kind of, when I arrived in New Zealand to start quarantining, I kind of blacked out. And then when, when Rue eliminated me, I came too. And I was kind of like, well, that was a wonderful little, um, wonderful little fever dream. <laughs> and now I'm back in reality. Um, I can appreciate it for what it was. I got an opportunity to showcase my drag to the world that otherwise I would not have had. I got an opportunity for self-growth and self-development and betterment. Um, and I got an opportunity to cross-dress on TV for, for, you know, for people to relate to. I think that's a really important thing. Like, at, at the end of the day, no matter what people say about Drag Race and about the format and everything like that, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, something like this would not exist on mainstream television. And so to have, have this content going out across the world and people like I was at, I was at Bunnings the other day I'm not sure if you have that in your We have it we love oh, it yeah. we're all about it we love it <laughs> Yeah so I was at Bunnings the other day and it was just random couples were coming up to me being like oh my god we love you on the show you know just Susan and her husband Darren were coming up to me and being like we love you on the show and that for me is really interesting My mum's a fan my mum's a fan of yours etc she texts me her reviews she loves you Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Is your mum a Susan or a Darren? Uh, she's more of a Susan, I'd say. She's more of a Susan. Um, right. My mum's more of a Darren. Oh, nice. I will say as well, I, you're talking about it, it should be the stalwarts, but I'm like, it's so important to have a voice like yours on the show because you are reflecting the current state of drag in Australasia right now. And I thought you were so um, good at articulating who you were on the show and so clear. Um what was your, the, 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 I'm not segueing into a uh, question that relates to that. I'm just uh, complimenting you. But uh, what was. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take it. I'll take it if I have to. What was the challenge you were most looking forward to on the show? Did you get to do the one you were most looking forward to? No, the one I was most looking forward to was the makeover challenge. No! Oh. out by one week. And I reckon Rue knew it, the sneaky bugger. He knew it. He knew it. He said, oh, etc. wants to do this one. I love putting people in drag. Like, I love it. I used to work, I used to work as a makeup artist um, at Napoleon Purdy's, um, and I used to, like, love, like, getting the little old ladies coming in for their daughter's wedding or getting, like, the girls coming in for their high school formal and they'd sit down and they'd be like, oh, I don't really wear makeup. And I'm like, honey, I'm about to beat your face to oblivion, bitch. <laughs> and I just, like, you know, snatch these people who have never worn makeup before. And there's something really special about putting someone through that process of transformation for the first time. They want a nude lip for their formal and you're like gluing down their eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm like, nude lip, how about a stacked 301 for your nerve? So, um, to be honest, I would have loved to have done that. I have, um, I had a really cute, like a little um, Vivian Westwood inspired, like bow look that I was going to put them in um, with a cute little like, uh, stacked p hot pink wig like it would have been super like 90s supermodel fashion moment um and I, I think no matter what rugby player I would have gotten for that I could have made it work because I love I love helping people find their like inner beauty no matter how that looks like you like it just it's not about making everyone look super super girly all the time it's just about mm. making them feel beautiful 
what what's your experience been like watching the because I mean there's one experience of kind of be on the show and you know you got these big long days you're in drag you're kind of coming to terms with the idea that you're in front of RuPaul and Michelle and you're being judged on your drag but then there's the other experience of kind of watching the show back that you've been on and the kind of edited down like hour long episode what's your experience been like watching yourself in drag well, to be honest, it's it's interesting. Um, that's that's it. That's my comment. It's interesting. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for chatting to us today. Um, I mean, there, there's pros and cons. Obviously, you watch yourself back and you go, "Oh shit, shouldn't have said that." Oh shit, I bloody looked terrible there. Oh shit, I did that. And and then there's bits you go, "Oh, that was unexpectedly nice," or "Oh, that was a nice moment," or "Oh, I'm glad I got to speak about that." Um, I, so I think it is a hundred percent a mixed bag, and it's mm. interesting to look at yourself through, I suppose, the producer's eyes, someone else's eyes, people that aren't necessarily you. You know, you have your own insecurities. You have your own things. You're like, oh, my God, don't don't shoot me from that way. My nose looks bizarre. Or, you know, you're just like, you're just like you've got these hang-ups that you've had ho- your whole life. Yes. I think the cast and I were talking. This was the first time that we'd all seen it ourselves from the perspective of everyone else in the world. Um, so it was a little bit confronting, you know, and I mean, a lot of people online, they've called me, you know, a bitch and a bully and said that I'm mean and blah, blah, blah. And I think what they just, um, what they realize and what I realized is I'm just brutally honest to the point of like, (laughs) that it comes across that I'm nasty. But at the end of the day, like on set, it wasn't, no one was like, oh my God, et cetera. You're being so nasty. They were just like, yeah, she tells, she tells her opinion exactly how she thinks that she says it to your face and she won't hold back. And I think watching it back, I was like, yeah, I probably do that a little bit more than people ask me to, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's a good thing. I mean, one, it's reality TV. So you need that that television. And then you've got yourself kind of holding that conversation with Scarlett in such a, you know, honest and, and frank way in a way that that, you know, it's it's great it's great to have that conversation on on television. I felt like you had that conversation. You also had the conversation around gender identity. I felt like you were always tackling these huge conversations in the workroom. So you must be really like I I, I mean I, I'm grateful for to have you on the show to have those conversations. I thought you delivered them so well. Well, look, it was, to be honest, when I'm there, I I was just I was interacting as I would interact with anyone. Yeah. Like I was backstage. I mean, my job here in Sydney, my main job is I'm the entertainment manager at the Imperial Hotel, which is you know where they film Priscilla. So I book all the yeah. things there. I put all the shows together. Um, I'm I like run that run that venue. So. I was going into there, I suppose, with a mindset of like, well, these are all queens that I could potentially employ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think, because that's just how I operate day to day. I work with drag queens all the time and, I, and I'm their boss. So yeah. walking into that room, I was like, well, I'm not going to alter too much about myself. And I probably treated people a bit too much like, um, like you know, I, I, I walked in there and I had to be fully confident because as the youngest cast, yeah. as someone who was trans in a room full of, um, much older, most mostly men, like male identifying people, like it was a it was a position where like I would have been I would have been so intimidated to walk in there and not be fully confident. So I had to be like delusionally confident to be able to do that competition. And I think no one can go on drag race unless they think they are the hottest shit known to earth. Otherwise they <laughs> fall apart. Oh and you can it's weird to watch it on that show because we're so used to just like 
only confidence and then like a crack of insecurity when they do someone doesn't do well in a challenge and they're like in the next week like back up like as they walk back into the work and be like I'm feeling amazing again so yeah I mean obviously it's what the show requires of you what's coming up next for you in terms of you know this is a huge chapter of your life which is like not over but like in terms of being on the show and so what I mean you're obviously w- working at the Imperial Hotel <laughs> Yeah, but you know that's just a side gig. That's just something that takes up my, you know, my spare moment. Um, <laughs> I, I this morning actually just, just literally two hours ago dropped my Ooh. debut single. Ooh. Oh, where can we find Spotify? this? It, at the moment, it's uh, at the moment it's on YouTube. I dropped a music video with it. It's called Flush. Okay. It has a lot of toilet metaphors, as my um, elimination episode, you know, Amazing. had had some of those themes as well. Right. Um, and yeah, it will be released on Spotify and Apple Music later this week. But for now, it's it's on YouTube, and the music video is so fun. I got some of my favorite drag artists here in Sydney. Beautiful alternative, crazy trans, AFAB, beautiful, just amazing artists that I work with all the time. Um, and they're all in a video with me, and we're just celebrating, I suppose, the filthy, kooky drag that I grew up doing in Sydney, um, and what makes it marvelous. Gorgeous! What a delight to talk. Thank to you, you so much, and also. I'm so excited to watch this music video and um, to, I'm just telling everyone now to like finish this podcast and go straight there and soak it up because um, I'm sure it's going to be great. An honor talking to you. You're amazing on the show and I, I can't wait to keep tracking your journey beyond the show because um, truly an inspiring drag artist. And you've got a hundred so years left in your life because you're a tiny yeah, baby. <laughs> and you're literally <laughs> 10 years old. So amazing. By the time that I'm 90, the cybernetic uh, advances in technology, I'll have robot limbs. I'll have robot eyelashes. Yeah. I'll just be flying to the moon on robot shoes. You'll be walking so you'll be competing on <laughs> season yeah, You'll 89. be competing on all sides against robots. Yeah, all sides. Like, I don't know about these robot queens. queens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. Lovely chatting to thanks you. Oh, so lovely chatting to you thank you so much have a good day Bye. Bye. thank you so much for listening to drag race down under the covers with me and chris uh chris you had a nice time you're coming back from christchurch now yeah i just want to thank um michael bow and little andromeda for letting me record here um and can't wait to be irl with you in the studio again Eli. can't wait thanks to tina i missed, thanks I missed your smell off. oh yeah and i and i did rush here straight from the show so i am free Fresh, fresh, fresh. Um, but we've only got three more episodes. Can't wait to dig into them. Can't wait to see these rugby players put into drag. Um, please rate and review the podcast. Um, subscribe. Tell your friends. <laughs> Tell your friends about it. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Kia ora e te iwi, Tiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.